This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE Intellinews. The macro numbers in Russia have changed out of all recognition. Interest rates and inflation has dropped to normal levels. Indeed, inflation in Russia is now below the level of many European countries. That's changed the way that normal Russians think about their savings. In the past, they simply plonked them into bank accounts and earned interest on the high yields that the bank would pay. But now the banks are paying so little, they've started to look around for alternative investments. I talked this over with Slava Smolyanov, who's the chief strategist and deputy head of research at BCS Global Markets, who are a big player in the retail investment business with some new products they've recently introduced. Slava, good to talk to you. Um, I, w- I wanted to, to chat today about the changes that's been going on in Russia that have been driven by the, the falling interest rates at the central bank and the, the falling inflation that now you could say that for the first time in 25 years, Russia's macro numbers, these numbers with inflation and interest rates, have fallen to quote-unquote normal levels. In other words, they're very low. And that's changed the way that normal Russians think about how they invest, in so much as the classic default option for all of this time has been simply bank deposits. And that comes with a guarantee, um, thanks to the deposit insurance scheme, And the interest rates in banks have been high. But now they've fallen to uh, a level where Russians are starting to look around for better returns because they're simply not making enough on their deposits. Do you you agree? Do you think there's been a a fundamental structural change in the way that um, people are looking at their private investments? Um, Hi, uh, Ben. Well, yes, definitely. That's that's been a process, uh, I would say, rather than sort of a one-time structural shift we are we have been in a situation of disinflation for for quite a while and uh, you're right uh, people realize that the official inflation numbers are as low as you know as uh, in in lower than the in the US uh, for that matter and uh, that uh, accompanied um, ongoing decline in the banking deposit rates uh, along with the, with the bond yields in Russia um, shrinking uh, and people starting to question where could they get more more yield that that's for sure uh, however um, I would say that it's it's probably more of a, uh, a process in time rather than uh, something that you know people wake up uh, this quarter or next quarter and say this five percent or whatever the deposit is yielding me is not enough there's a lot of uh, built-in conservatism uh, within the russian environment as the market and the economy during the several last uh, um, emerging market crises had been mm-hmm. in a situation of a, of a more of a boom and bust. So people are much less uh, willing to, um, you know, to risk for, for an extra couple of percentage points in, in, in yields uh, at the expense of saving the average Russian investor or even a, an average Russian saver. Uh, the behavior is changing and has been changing, uh, but to say that we have arrived at uh, at uh, 
point where it's uh, much more the way that the Western investors and, and savers uh, um, decide, make, make, make decisions uh, in terms of uh, where, how to allocate money. We, we are far away from that still. So, so drilling into the details, um, inflation, I think, is somewhere around 2.2, 2.3, which is you know, astronomically low. The, I think the first time it went into, into single digits was 2007, and then there's been various crises since then. However, one of the big changes is now we have real interest, real positive uh, interest rates, because the, the central bank rate is now still um, very high, you know, despite the, 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 the run of cuts. So, you know, there is real returns to be made um, from, from uh, just simply deposits. Is that having a, an impact on the way people are borrowing money? This is uh, what you're explaining. This is exactly the way uh, the line of thinking goes for the international investors and for institutional investors. The way uh, Russian domestic, um, you know, babushkas and retail investors think about their, their um, uh, investments, they are less inclined to be thinking about them in real terms compared to uh, to best world practices, if you will. Um, on top of that, many people do not really feel that the inflation in their in their own uh, consumption basket is as low as uh, 2%. And recently we had this situation of uh, the oil prices in ruble terms being very high uh, and gasoline prices across Russia increasing and people starting, like, you know, common people, um, an average average person started to, to feel less easy uh, about the um, inflation, about the you know, further uh, further cuts in 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 um, inflation and uh, potentially perhaps uh, the trend for inflation to to be reversing. We do believe that from the macro perspective, we are actually at the point of uh, of a reversal of in um, CPI trends in Russia, and we see that increasing gradually to some four percent, four and a half. But in principle, you're absolutely right that the most affluent customers of um, Russian investment banks um, think in real terms and have been uh, putting more money into earning um, high and real retur- uh, returns in Russia. And the same um, can be said about the, institu- the international institutional investors that were attracted to, to uh, Russia by the very high real interest rates yeah. on the bond markets primarily. But at the same time, we've got the the, the retail um, savers, and because of these these falling rates that they've been starting to cast around. You've got a product, um, BCS Invest, I think it is, where you um, make a, a service available that where people can can very easily um, invest into stocks, bonds, into into PIFs, these Russian mutual funds. And and that's really taken off uh, in the fast few, uh, last few years. And PIFs were introduced by Yeltsin, I think, in 1997, about a year before the, the first big financial crisis. And they've never really done very well. The financial literacy in, uh, in Russia is low. But it seems that now that the interest rate dynamics have changed, that people are starting to, to, to look at this as an alternative. Can you tell me a little bit about your, um, your, your retail investment offering and how it's been doing? Uh, well, I mean, we um, uh, for retail there are uh, a number of products that that are being offered uh, by BCS. 
Uh, among those uh, structured notes are, are very popular or specific uh, strategies such as uh, dividend basket is something that people, again, in the very low yield environment um, get attracted to. The volumes have been going up um, very quickly, haven't they? I mean, you're actually seeing people take an interest in this and start to invest and use these products, no? Um, well, actually, we at BCS Research um, are looking at, at things a little bit uh, differently, i.e. we track uh, what the investment base of BCS is doing on the stock market. I mean, are they increasing longs? Or maybe we see a little bit more short positions, which stocks, because BCS obviously has got uh, a 25% share of the Moscow Exchange uh, stock, uh, stock market, which is the, uh, the largest broker in Russia by far. So what we do track is we track the sentiment, if you will, of the retail investor, and the product is called uh, BCS uh, Flows and Positioning, which is a weekly product. But our discussions with with clients and with um, uh, investment advisors have been that um, clearly people are, are very much are shifting from the bond market into the equity market and looking primarily for yield. Um, and it is the dividend stories, obviously, in Russia that are still strong. Russia is still yielding close to 5% for the index, which is more than double than the level of the MSCI Emerging Market Index. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you can get um, more than a handful of stocks, um, some 10 stocks that uh, our analyst recommenders call the buy. So there are very strong um, uh, cases for those companies fundamentally, and the yield over the next year is expected to be six plus percent, mm -hmm. uh, which which is which is decent. And we have got a product that's called BCS uh, Dividend Basket, that is a top five uh, dividend earners um, or dividend yielders, you know, in in, in Russia uh, stock context. Um, that is uh, normally the average yield is never less than nine percent, and right now we are talking about. You know, stocks like Norilsk Knickel or Severstal or Novolipetsk and LMK yielding in, a, in excess of 10%. Uh, and mark-to-market in current environment, given the weaker ruble, sometimes the, the current yield is closer to 15%. Uh, and the liquidity is there. People get attracted to that. And we realize fully that it's also a result of the disinflation um, that was the name of the game in Russia for the last three years, I would say. Um, so yield matters in the environment of very, very low economic growth. That's very much understandable. Do you have an idea of, of exactly how big the retail investment um, volumes are? In so much as I remember in previous booms, that the retail investors, Russians, uh, are actually pretty good at stock picking, and they tend to get into the market before the, the, the foreigners do. And it got up to a size where it was starting to move the market, that it, it becomes important. But having said that, the, the equity investors, domestic equity investors, tend to have a very short horizon that they're looking for, for profits, you know, sort of a pump and dump kind of strategy, rather than, than buy and hold long-term investments. But do, do you have any idea of how big the, the volume is now of this retail investment into equities? Uh, let's, let's put it this way. Um, an average investor um, have, has got uh, many uh, different uh, uh, products 
in which um, uh, they sort of put their money, uh, and that includes deposits. Uh, what we have seen as we track long positions of our investors in Russian stocks, in average, most liquid Russian stock, has been on the rise through the well through most of this year. And I have to give a lot of kudos to them for for having cutting those positions in January, as we also saw that the melt up. Uh, of the market on the back of the inflows into the global emerging markets and Russia uh, brought the index, brought the stocks to less fundamentally justifiable uh, levels. Uh, we were also advising to, re- to be reducing posi- position, positions into that, uh, in, into that rally. And now they're slightly picking up. So I would say, on average, the longs have been increasing 1% to 2% per month on a month-by-month basis. Um, in terms of a general um, change, uh, let's put it this way. Um, our clients, large Russian uh, asset management companies and their marketing departments, have recently assessed that they expect this year, if there is no dramatic um, shake-up of the market, um, they, 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 and the volatility is not increasing and it's not, it's not spiking again, they would expect um, 3 to $5 billion dollars of uh, Russian uh, money that are now under the mattresses or in bank deposits to be hitting the various products of the Russian financial market with the, with the uh, key focus, obviously, on listed Russian um, securities, both bonds uh, and stocks. Uh, so that's that's the ballpark, and the, and in principle, uh, the reality has been that Russia, as most other emerging markets, um, has been driven by international flows, anyways. So to say that Russia has developed an investor base that can hold on uh, to to uh, its instruments, whether the weather is good or bad outside. Uh, that has not happened. Things have improved, but they have not really changed the game, if you will, um, for the entire market. The, um, the government as well is keen to, to push all of this in so much as there's various initiatives. Um, I'm thinking of the so-called people bond. That um, I think there's been one issue of that so far, which is a, a, a government bond that's specifically aimed at retail investors. There's also these so-called investment accounts, which yeah. gives you various tax benefits if you invest in, right. in equities and, and securities. And finally, uh, Moex, the, the Moscow Exchange, says that the number of individual accounts um, it has opened for retail investors has mushroomed more than doubled or trebled. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of people who are trading, you know, on their own behalf. And we've we've got now examples of people in, in Krasnodarsk, you know, day traders who are making extremely good money. Um, and this is sort of slowly filtering. In particular, the investment accounts, does that make a difference? Can you tell me a little bit about what those are exactly? Well, this is a, a government initiative to, to give exactly the tax break for, for people to uh, that uh, invest um, from three years on um, in amount that is equivalent at least to um, roughly seven thousand uh, dollars per year. Uh, so that amount becomes tax deductible, uh, and that has attracted. Uh, people in the past uh, into various instruments that fall within that uh, category. For example, um, I mean, if you have one of these, what can you invest into if you have an investment account? 
Well, you can invest in bonds, you can invest in, in, in stocks, uh, you can invest in most listed uh, products. And what about the um, the, the people's bond? Um, th- this, again, has is, is been, a, I don't know, other countries in the former Soviet Union have, have introduced this as a way of tapping into, you know, the vast savings that people have in cash in, in you know, pickling jars under their bed, the, the mattress money. Uh, ha- has that been successful? Uh, there have been few examples of those happening. Uh, success is there. But to say that this is a product that's clearly taken off and we see an increasing number of those bonds um, uh, being placed is probably a little bit of exaggeration. So I guess so far the central bank uh, and uh, the banks that placed it, um, the state banks actually, uh, tested the water. Uh, They saw the demand is there. But the structure is, it's a little bit like um, um, you, you are uh, trying to learn how to, to ride the bicycle uh, by doing tricycle first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, there is some sort of a hedge or support that's embedded into those bonds. And uh, they are precisely uh, targeted at the audience that is new to the financial market. So it's not quite the investor uh, that we are talking about. And that, as you, as you correctly said, in the past, uh, very often were capable of um, uh, timing the market more than an average, uh, better than an average uh, Western investor for a simple reason that we are talking about a very thin layer of the most affluent Russian customers that are very often well um, into the you know into the business or into the economy, they understand the cycles, they understand valuations uh, better than an average uh, person by far, and I, I would even say better than let's say an average U.S. investor. That's why you are dealing you are dealing with a certain um, with a certain sample that is quite uh, different in terms of financial literacy compared to an average you know global investor or, or a pensioner. And as a last question, a, a very general question, um, it seems that last year was actually a very good year, sort of uh, Goldilocks conditions, not too hot, not too cold. But there's been talk now of uh, emerging market sell-off, that the Fed uh, is clearly tightening, that it's going to get more difficult to um, to, to raise money, um, that because of the, the sanctions that were imposed in April, that the CBR in Russia is going to cut rates more slowly. Um, do, do you believe in this sell-off? Is it overdone, or uh, is it just a question of a, a bit of a slowdown? Conditions are getting a bit tougher, but they're still good. How, how do you assess it? Well, let's put it this way. The markets, emerging markets, got a little bit ahead of themselves uh, in the beginning of the year. Uh, there was this uh, idea that finally uh, economic growth is synchronized as as strongly as it has never been in the past across the globe since the global financial crisis of of 2008-9. And um, that led to the U.S. rates being higher and uh, the weakest emerging markets such as the Argentina, Turkey, to some extent Brazil, and now we see a little bit of contagion also going into the the hottest spots of the emerging markets, which is Southeast Asia. 
uh, and investors are taking some money off the table. So to say that those stories are done and, and the growth in, in emerging markets is gone is, is obviously way too... too, too um, um, is wrong, yeah, it's wrong just in our opinion. However, some sort of adjustment to the new U.S., to the new dollar rates, new um, U.S. Treasury rates, uh, plus um, the outflows of the hottest money that came into that um, territory in the beginning of this year is probably something that people should, should expect. So do you, do you our best case... Our base case is that we'll sort of muddle through, if you will, which is a little bit of heightened volatility through through the year, but uh, we don't see that the late cycle is ending before the year ends, in our opinion. So the, EMs to look look okay for the time being. The Russian economy... And like- Russia- well, the and Russian, Russian economy compared to, to, to you know, the, the, the countries you named, like Turkey and Argentina, is in absolutely stellar position as far as the fundamentals are concerned. Is there any sense that it's, it's a, a safe haven? I mean, you, you, if you discount the, the political problems, then the, the investment case for Russia is extremely strong. And, and you could argue that, that, that the politics, uh, and, and the investment banks certainly are arguing this, that the politics will die down eventually and that there'll be a strong rally in Russia as a result of its, its excellent uh, macro. But, of course, everyone's playing this game about deciding like, to what extent the politics do count and when they are going to go away, if ever. I mean, how, how do you see all of that? Well, our discussions with the, with the clients, with investors, uh, global institutional investors, make it clear that uh, people do make a difference and do see difference between Russia bonds and stocks. The key issue with the stocks and, and the key reason why people move on the emerging markets is uh, superior growth. And Russia has got issues with that for the time being and for the foreseeable future. The consensus is for the growth numbers to remain sub 2% this year and next year, as opposed to many other EMs that are growing faster than the world. However, for the bond investors, the situation cannot be much better than that in the sense that um, very high oil prices and weak ruble only helps the budget uh, meet the needs and all the extra petro dollars that the economy is generating are going into the, uh, into the vaults of the government. So the ability and willingness of the Russian government to fulfill its international debt obligations are out of question uh, compared to the markets, the weak markets that we touched upon earlier. Uh, and in that sense, there is a difference between the bond investors and the stock investors. And stock doesn't, investors that also mean, doesn't that also mean that the Russian government, I mean, they've announced this $8 trillion spending program, but actually suddenly they've got the money to do that. So the outlook for growth is improved, isn't it? Because when, when the plan came up, there was a big question about how, how it was going to be funded, but but now it's looking increasingly likely that it's going to be funded fairly easily. Well, the devil is, as always, in details. Well, one needs to see the details of those plans to be able to gauge a potential um, influence on the GDP at large. Uh, so far, um, at least for the time being, for the immediate or short to medium term, uh, I don't think that the GDP forecasts are going to be significantly 
impacted by the plants. But again, uh, we need to see what the government comes up with um, specifically and then be able to, to understand what kind of macro impact there could be that would essentially translate into the revenues uh, of Russian companies and, and, and growth in earnings. This is something that people are look for when they go into emerging markets. Slava, on that note, thank you very much for taking the time. Very interesting. So we wait and see, but I don't know, all, all said and done, it doesn't look so bad. Thank you again. Okay, I, uh, my pleasure.